birthday. Hey, welcome everybody to The Rock Church. My name is Marcus, the campus pastor here. And I just want to welcome everybody. Before I get started, who's here for the very, very first time? I know Gary, I met you, Gary. Who else besides Gary is here for the first time? Slip your hand up, slip your hand up. Awesome, awesome. Hey, what about on the other side of things? Who's been around since like the get-go from like San Diego State days, mobile church days? Slip up your hand. Yes, yes. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, whether you're here for the first time online, I want to say hello to our online campus as well. I want to say hello to the microsites. And if you're here for the first time watching online, just say first time right here. Type it in so we can pray for you and welcome you as well. But here, here's the deal, whether you're watching online or at a microsite or here for the first time or you've been around from the beginning, I, I just feel compelled to share this. It's very simple. I want you guys to understand that God loves you. Right? I want you to understand that God loves you. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave the most important thing in his world. We're talking about God, the creator, the omnipotent one that spoke light into existence. We're talking about that God. He loves you. We're talking about he loves you so much that he sent his son. Anybody have children here? We have children here, right? That, that, that he would take his son and give his life for you. That's the type of love that God has for you. And before we get the message, I just want you to know that whatever reason you're here for, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's just routine for you, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you just decided to check in online, maybe you don't know, maybe you're burdened, or, but here's the deal. God has something special for you today because we are in his word today and his word is promised never to come void, to return void. So I believe that God has something special for every one of us here today. Who believes that? Amen, amen. Ten years ago in 2008, it was January 2008, and I heard something on the radio. I I was listening to the Scott and B.R. show on the Mighty 1090 because I'm a a sports fan. And and they said, hey, we got a competition today. It was a Wednesday morning, and the winner of this competition is going to win, get this, two round-trip tickets to the Chargers game. They were in the playoffs. And when they were about to face Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts in 2008, it was that era. For those of you guys that are younger here, the Chargers are a team that we used to have here in San Diego. Used to go to the playoffs. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to bring us up to speed. And, and two round trip tickets to the game. And a limousine included. And a stay at the hotel where the Chargers were going to be. And, and, and the great seat. So I'm like, oh, this is great. And they had all, I don't know, hundreds of people enter in. And the competition was this, who could write the best Chargers song would win. So that was Wednesday morning. And it was Wednesday night. I was on a double date with my wife and some friends of ours. And I said, hey, um, I heard about this competition on the air today about winning this big trip to the Chargers whole all-inclusive deal. And you got to write the best Chargers song, the Chargers idol, they were calling it. And I told them, hey, I'm going to write the song. They're like, oh, okay, okay. And I said, I'm going to win. And they said, okay, okay. What would you like for dinner? I'm like, did you hear me? (laughs) By the way, chicken wings, of course. That's what I want for dinner. And so I got home and I went to my studio, translation, my garage, my dusty garage. It just sounds better to say studio, right? 
And I put these little beats together and I, and I put this little, this, little, this little song together and I put in this, this, this hook into the song. And I was like, ah, the song's kind of lame and cheesy, but this hook is good, right? You just need a good hook. And so I wake up early morning and I wake up like at 5 o'clock and I drive to the studio and I, and I burn it on to a CD and, and I turned it into the producer. I said, make sure they get this. Play this song. It's going to be the winning song. So, so they get it. I'm not sure what's going to happen to it, but I'm listening on the radio on my way to work. And they go, we have one final entry for Marcus Preciado. And I'm like, hey, I don't care if my song wins now. They just said my name on the air. I'm pretty much famous right now. <laughs> and then they played the song. And then they're, they're playing it. And then, and, then, and then I put in this hook. This was in the era when they had Sean Merriman and they had all these linebackers. And I put in this hook that I thought they would really like. And the hook went like this. Linebackers, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QB sackers, linebackers. <laughs> I told you it was good. Yeah, right? Y'all already like, yeah, that's nice. And, and the second time that, that hook came on, on the air, the, the, the DJs were saying, linebackers, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QB sackers. I'm like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. So they call me Thursday morning early, like at 5 o'clock. Hey, you made the top 10. We're going to have the top 10 people come on in, and, 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 and um, we're going to have a competition. So I woke up my son, Diego, who was 8 years old at the time. I said, Diego, Diego, wake up. Your dad's going to the studio. My song, my song entered the, the, the competition, and I'm in top 10. And my son's waking up, and he's like, Dad, what about school? I said, son, you forget you're homeschooled. It doesn't matter. Just come with me. It's the same thing, right? But just call it recess or something. I don't know. Business class. I don't care. I... And so we went into the studio, and then they, they play everybody's song. And there's no commercial, like, for two hours. So it's a big deal. And you can imagine San Diego is all abuzz because it was, like, Charger Power during that time. And I called the song Charger Power. And then they announced the, 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 the winners. And they, they went from the top three. Number three is so-and-so. And number two is so-and-so. And they haven't called me. My son's just there next to me. I said, son, I'm going to win, mijo. I'm going to win, mijo. And they said, number one, the winner is Marcus Preciado with Charger Power. I'm like, yeah, baby, yes. Right? Yeah, yes, yeah. But it gets better. It gets better. And so we get on the plane. You got to imagine they're playing this song like every day. So the Charger fans are listening. So we get on the plane. And who's going to Indianapolis but Charger fans, right? So the plane is filled with Charger fans. There were people who were in that studio who heard my song and they've been playing on the radio and they recognize me. I'm sitting with my son. My son's there doodling right next to me. And they go, hey, are you Preciado? I'm saying, well, yes, I am. Thank you very much. I am Preciado. And who might you be? And then, hey, we love your song. Hey, thanks so much. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, and then I hear a buzz, like, behind them. Hey, is that Preciado? I'm like, oh, man, this is kind of cool. Right? And then, seriously, the, the, the buzz grows. And, hey, that's Preciado. That's Preciado. And then I hear people start going, hey, you, Preciado, do the song. I'm like, I can't, I can't do the song. I'm on a plane. My band's not here, number one. Number two, I have no band. Right? And then, well, you got to do the song. I can't do the song. And then next thing you hear more and more, hey, do the song, do the song. So it started to get uncomfortable. So I, so I went to the bathroom to hope that the buzz would, would, would go away. And when I get to the, to the end of the, the plane, three rows of Mexicans charged out in gear. Hey, orale, you preciado, Holmes. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? 
So I'm using the bathroom. I didn't have to go. I just wanted to be away from the crowd, and I wash my face, and I come out, and I kid you not, this is no exaggeration. I sit down, and the plane starts saying, do it, do it, do it. I'm like, this is getting out of control. And then the stewardess comes to me. The flight attendant tests me on the shoulder. Are you Preciado? Yes, you know I'm Preciado. Of course, look at me. She goes, you need to do the song. I said, I can't do the song. She goes, you need to do the song. The plane's got, we need to calm down. So I said, okay, we're going to do the song. Let's go. So I walk up and I grab the mind, check the phone, microphone, check one, two, one, two. All my charger fans in the house. And I get everybody to ah, and I start doing my song. And when I get to the linebackers, the whole, the whole plane sings, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QV sackers. And I'm breaking it down 10,000 feet in the air. And I walk back, high fives, and I sit down. I said, Miko, what do you think about that? He's all, it was okay, Dad. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I have a portion of the song. You guys want to hear it? Remember, it's cheesy, but it's awesome at the same time, kind of like me. So I think we can cue that up real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. My studio. You got to pump it up. And all the great friends. Now get ready, everybody, for the Arizona planning. Ain't you really glad we ain't got no Eli Manning? We, we got, got a man by the name of Rivers. Calm down the nose, cause you know he delivers. To Chambers or Jackson or Davis or Gates. <laughs> it really doesn't matter, he does whatever it takes. And uh, don't forget about Kasim as good. When it comes to special teams, there's no one as good. There's a Hispanic, Panic, Luis Castillo. Breaking out the salsa, represent for the Latinos. Don't forget about the guys in Sean. They'll smack you, they'll slap you to the brain. Dawn. Linebackers, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QB sackers. Linebackers, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QB sackers. Linebackers, firecrackers, guaranteed to be QB sackers. So here's the deal. God did something special with that besides an amazing story that I have with my son. I ended up going to the House of Blues doing that. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was there, and I knew I hit the big time when the San Diego chicken was there. <laughs> when there's a chicken when you're rapping, you're big time. <laughs> but that eventually built me a relationship with the station and the, and the DJs to where when I started working here overseeing the sports ministries, whenever I would do a sports outreach, Guess who could give them a call, come in, they'd give me like 10 minutes of free commercial to preach the gospel on the air because of that. I want to be talking today about, about dreaming big, about dreaming big and, and showing up, right, and, and, and about changing the world. And when I say the world, maybe not the entire world, but maybe, but for sure your world. Right? But for sure God wants you to change your world. And you have influence and all these opportunities around you. And we're going to talk about three things. I'm going to introduce them real quick and then we're going to go through them. That God, that you have right now, that you have right now that God can use to help you change the world. One is your reputation. Everybody say reputation. reputation. Everybody say reputation. reputation. Two are your resources. Everybody say resources. resources. And three are your relationships. Everybody say relationships. So that's the answer to the test, right? That's what we're going to be talking about today. But we're going to be looking at the life of Moses to do this. Now, Moses was an amazing guy. We've all heard of Moses. But, but to understand Moses, we need to understand the people of Israel. And as we know, Moses was amazing. The Bible says about Moses that he talked to God as a friend. 
you got to remember, this was in a time when they would not even utter the name of God. And he talked to him as a friend. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Now, this one's kind of tricky because it's in a book that Moses wrote. That must have been a tough verse to write. I, Moses, am the most humble that ever lived. This is a guy that in the Old Testament, his name is mentioned 750 times. In the New Testament alone, his name is mentioned 80 times. This is a man that God used to deliver his people under the captivity of slavery of Egypt. This is the man that God used to open up the Red Sea. This is Moses, but to understand this story, we need to understand Israel. And to understand Israel, we need to go back to a time where God had no people. Where God looked around and his heart was sad because everywhere he looked, people were doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. And God said, who are my people? Who can I find somebody to trust me, somebody to listen to me? And he found this man, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah. And Abraham trusted God. And so God gave Abraham a child at the age of 100, even though he did not believe. God blessed him. And then with this child, Isaac. God told Abraham, you are going to sacrifice this child, Isaac. So he took his son Isaac and he took him up to a spot to sacrifice him. And before they went up, Isaac looked at Abraham and said, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to sacrifice to the Lord. And Isaac's like, "Um, I don't see an offering here because he knew something had to die. And then Abraham's response to his son Isaac was, God will supply. But Abraham knew that God promised that through Isaac, I want you guys to follow me here. He knew that God promised that through Isaac would arise a mighty, mighty nation and many people. So Abraham thought, if God is calling me to sacrifice my son, then God will simply resurrect him. What a great faith he had. Fortunately, he did not have to take his life. Isaac was spared. God brought in a sacrifice to replace Isaac. And then Isaac had a son named Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. Jacob's name eventually became Israel. Now we have the birth, basically, of Israel, who was the grandson of Abraham. And Israel had 12 boys. How many boys? And those 12 boys of Israel turned out to be the 12 tribes of Israel. So every one of his sons became a tribe. And that was the birth of the nation of Israel. It was Israel and his 12 sons. And one of those sons was Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph was the favored son of Israel. And his brothers got upset with him and eventually sold him into slavery as they plotted to kill him. But they did not. They spared his life. They sold him to slavery. And now Joseph's in this spot where he is now a slave, eventually ends up incarcerated, but eventually ends up uh, um, talking about the dreams that the king had and translating them. And the king pulled him out 
of slavery, pulled him out of captivity, pulled him out of jail, and brought him into his home. And he loved Joseph. And he asked Joseph, how can I repay you back? Because Joseph's wisdom gave that, that king a huge advantage. Are you guys with me? So he loved Joseph. Egypt at this time is the most powerful nation in the world. We know this. This is world history, not like our church club talk, right? Egypt is the most powerful nation in the world. And one of the reasons now is because of Joseph's wisdom. The king goes, what do I need to do to repay you? And he gave Joseph and his family the most choice piece of land in all of Egypt. So Joseph brought his brothers and his sisters and his family into Egypt, a small, a small little family. Well, eventually, they were blessed. Egypt was blessed. They grew in numbers, they grew in numbers, but the king had died and several kings had come. And now this new king, this new pharaoh, did not care for the people of Israel because there are about 2 million now, about 2 million men. So probably around 5 million people in Egypt that are not the kings that are blessed financially, blessed with livestock. And this new king, this new king of, uh, of, of Egypt is going, ah, they're a threat to me. They're such a threat to me because they're so powerful and they're not mine. I'm going to now make them slaves because he didn't care about Joseph. Now he enslaved all of them and gave them harsh, harsh labor. During that time, they were crying out for a response. They were crying to their God. They were slaves for 430 years. During that time, as the king wanted to continue to subjugate the people of Israel, he put a decree out to kill all the males that were born. Oh, man, the enemy, guys. You got to realize we have an enemy. You got to realize you got someone that's trying to destroy you right now. He's trying to destroy. He's trying to destroy all the things God wants to use. He's trying to destroy your reputation. He's trying to destroy your resources. And he's trying to destroy your relationships. And you know what? He was killing every male born. During that time is when Moses was born. Moses was a Hebrew kid, an Israelite kid. But he was born and they were scared for his life. So as soon as he was old enough, they put him in a little basket made of reeds. And they put tar and made it float. And they sent him away down the river Nile. So here's this little kid. This now gets picked up through God's providence. Listen to this. It's an amazing story. He gets picked up by the daughter of the Pharaoh. So the most powerful man in the world, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt, his daughter finds little Moses and names him Moses, which is an Egyptian name, not a Hebrew name. And it means drawn out because he was drawn out of the water. So Moses now starts to, starts to grow, and he's raised 40 years. Everybody say 40 years. He's 40 years in the house of the king, in the house of the pharaoh. You don't need to know much about history. You don't need to know much about Egypt. But one thing you know about pharaohs and kings is that they have a lot of wealth. Can I hear amen? Can you imagine the wealth and the resources that Moses grew up? Going to the finest schools, 
going to the, to the finest dinners, having the finest meals, having, it said gold was like dust to the Egyptians because they were so rich. And he lived in that for 40 years, but something started to stir in him. Something started to bother him as he realized who he really was. And there came a point where as he was walking, he saw this Egyptian abusing this Hebrew, this Israel man. So the anger burned up in Moses, and he went and he killed that Egyptian And that's where we're going to pick up the story right now as we talk about Moses, how Moses dreamed big, right, and changed the world and what God used in Moses to do that. Let's pick up the story at uh, Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. Exodus is the second chapter in the Bible right after Genesis. And, of course, it talks about the exodus of God's people through Moses. Chapter 2, verse 15 says this. When Pharaoh heard of this, that Moses killed somebody, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters. Everybody say seven daughters. And they came to draw water and fill the troughs of water to their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rural, their father, he asked them, why are you guys returned so early? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where, his, where is he? Rule asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. So here's the story. Moses fled. And during that time for the next 40 years. So Moses was 40 when he killed this Egyptian. For the next 40 years, guys, he left the riches of the Pharaoh's house. And he's in the desert as a shepherd. But he had repented from his sin, and God was starting to work in him. And now he sees these young ladies who were going to be abused by these shepherds, and he protects them, and he serves them. And their father goes, why are you guys home early? Hey, this guy took care of us. The dad's like, hey, this sounds like a good dude. Where is he? Well, he's over there. We'll bring him in. Let's feed him. And then he gives him his daughter Zipporah as a wife. It was because what they spoke of Moses. Everybody say reputation. Everybody say reputation. I, I, I don't know what your reputation is. And when I say reputation, I really mean character. I, I don't know what your character is. But you know what? If there's a flaw in it, guess what? It can change today. God's great. God's got a reset button for you. Where maybe up to this point or maybe in your past that you've had a bad reputation. Maybe what you say isn't the way you live and you've been struggling with that. Today I want to encourage you. Here's Moses, this man who now has changed his reputation. And because of that, God is using him. You know what? God cares the way you live your life. God cares how you live your life and what you're doing. And to live your life for God, guys, here's the trick. It does not benefit God. It benefits you. You know who benefits when I live as a good husband? Not God. I do. My wife cooks me great, delicious food. (laughs) 
It's so funny. I do it to bless her, and next thing you know, just carne asada. I mean, God is good. That's my love language, by the way, is carne asada. Like, when that book comes out, they need to add extra. So, as you live your life for the Lord, and you think you're doing it to make God more holy, nah, it don't work like that. He's already holy. Why he wants you to live your life right is to benefit you because he has all these opportunities for you. And one of the things that you have right now is your reputation that he can use. And if it's flawed today, it's okay. There's a chance to press the reset button. But God blessed him. They spoke highly of him. His character was validated and God blessed him. So that's one thing God can use. But take care of it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 what a good name is worth. And it's worth more than rubies, more than diamonds, more than gold. What comes to mind when people hear your name? God can do mighty things with it. And if it's a little flawed, like I said, don't trip. Relax. We can press the reset button and let God clear things away and start anew. So the first thing is reputation. Everybody say reputation. All right, so the story goes, it picks it up in chapter 3, which is an amazing part of the story because in chapter 3, we see that Moses faces this burning bush as he's out in the wilderness. Now, we read these stories a lot. I do, and I kind of just pass by them. Yeah, Moses met a burning bush, and it spoke to him. Like, no, wait, 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 wait. let's put a pause right there. Like, Moses met a burning bush. Like he walked and the bush is like burning and okay, and he's like looking, but the, I'm sure he was staring at it and the bush did not, was not consumed. And then the bush was like, hey, yo, Moses. Like, oh, that's, do you ever play these things on here? And the bush is like, hey, take your shoes off. First of all, the bush is talking to me and it wants me to take off my shoes. But Moses responded in chapter 3, and I love what he said. In verse 4 it says this. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at the burning bush, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Three powerful words. Here I am. Sometimes that's all God wants to hear from us. Larry, Larry, here I am. Bill, Bill, here I am. Marcus, Marcus, God, here I am. And what God did with that here I am was amazing. So God now starts to speak to Moses. And listen to this in verse 9. I'll pick this up. It says this, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are pressing them. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. So God was saying, look, I've been hearing these cries for a long, long time. And my response to these cries, Moses, is I'm not sending angels and I'm not doing a miracle from heaven. My response to these cries is I'm sending you. Do you know there's people in your family, there's people at work, there's people in your neighborhood crying out to the Lord? And perhaps, perhaps God wants to send you. Perhaps God wants to use you 
to say, your neighbors are crying out to me. Your family's crying out to me. I'm sending you. But Moses' response was, was man, Lord, I don't know if I can do it. First he said, hey, I, 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 what am I going to tell them? And he says, hey, just tell them the great I am sent you. He goes, well, well, what if they don't believe me? Well, don't trip because I'm, I'm going to give you signs and wonders. And, and oh, man, I really don't, I really don't like to talk and, and I'm kinda, I don't want to go. So, so God kept confirming for him. And so many times in our life, God is asking us to do something and all we have is excuses. Can I hear amen? amen. God, well, what about this? Let's take a look at Moses' life, the other side of the ledger. I talked to you what an amazing guy he was, right? How he's a man that spoke to the Lord face to face. How he was a man that walked with God as a friend. How he was mentioned so many times in the Bible. How he liberated God's people. But on the other side of that, he was a murderer. On the other side of that, he was rejected by his family and he was sent away. He was an orphan and he became adopted. On the other side of that, he couldn't speak that well. On the other side of that, he was a guy that had a hard time trusting God. Does this make this sound familiar to any one of us? I know to me it does. But yet God used this guy and ultimately God told him this. Man, I love this. In chapter 4, follow along with me. 4 verse 1, it says this. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Well, listen to this verse right here. This is the whole crux of the message. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand a staff he replied what is in your hand think about it God said what do you have Moses what do you have and Moses says all I got is this piece of wood and you know what God wants to know what is it that you have everybody say resources everybody say resources God has all given us some resources in our life can I hear amen Things that might just look like a piece of wood. But God said, hey, what's in your hand? What can you use for me? And I love the next verse, if you read it, where he takes the staff and he, God tells him, throw it on the ground. In other words, give it to me. Let it go. And it's so hard sometimes to let the things go that are in our hand, be it our relationships, our finances, our children, our jobs, our future, our business. And we hold on to it tight. And when Moses held on to it tight, it was just the piece of wood. And when Moses listened to God and God said, throw it on the ground, and we take what God has given us and we throw it on the ground, something happens happened to that staff, it turned into a snake. In other words, something supernatural happened to it because he gave it to God. So my question for us today is what's in your hand? What has God given you? And if you take it and you hold on tight and you keep it to yourself, you know what? You'll have a decent piece of wood that you can do some stuff with. But if you take what God has given you today and you throw it on the ground, he can do something supernatural with it. That's what God wants to do today. So the story continues. And that was that staff that God used to do miracles because Moses gave it up to him. And then he finally told God, yeah, God, but listen, I can't speak. I'm too scared to do this alone. And God said, what about your brother Moses, I mean, your brother Aaron? He can speak. He'll help you out. The third point today, everybody say relationships. Everybody say relationships. You guys, we're not alone. We're not on this walk alone. 
God has given you family members. He's given you church members. He's surrounded you with people. If you just kind of acknowledge that, that he doesn't want you to do this alone. So Moses now had this relationship, and we know how this story goes. And I encourage you later on today, read the rest of Exodus. It's amazing. But then God uses Moses and Aaron to go talk to Pharaoh. And eventually that staff is lifted up, and that Red Sea, guys, was parted. God changed the world through Moses. And two million people walked across dry land and left from being slavery to finally being free because of Moses. Who in your life, what family members, what does God want to do with you? We need to dream big. We need to let God use us to change the world and for sure to change our world. And in a minute, we're going to pray. And, and I don't want us to leave without the opportunity and the last of those R's, which is relationships. Here's the most important relationship, guys. Even if you had nobody, which you all do have somebody, but if you had nobody, the most important relationship today, you guys, that I want to make sure we focus on is the relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because they love you. And some of you guys need to reestablish that relationship or some of you guys need to establish it for the first time. And some of you guys need to have the guts to say, you know what, God, here I am. And he's been burning in some of your guys' hearts and been giving you vision and been giving you plans and you're coming up with excuses, God, but this, I'm too old, they don't believe me, I'm a murderer, I have a bad reputation, I don't have what it takes. And God is saying, you know what, what's in your hand? Whatever's in our hand today, guys, God is asking us to let it go. But first and foremost is that relationship with God. I was about 25 years old, and on paper, I was a good guy. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't cuss. I was a real good guy. But you know what? I was so far away from the Lord. Because at this point in my life, God was not my God. Other things were priority in front of God. And there was one night I heard a message from Pastor Miles that really challenged me. And I came home and I was taking inventory of my life and I was saying, God, how am I going to respond to this? And I took inventory of my life and I saw the things that I was focusing on were empty. And on paper I was a good guy and, and, and I was a guy that called himself a Christian and technically I don't think I was going to hell. I, I don't know. But I was, God was not, I was not serving the Lord. You guys following me? And, and, I, and I prayed something that night. Oh, man, that I never wanted to pray in my life. My prayers up to that point were, went something like this. Thank you, Lord, for this, this and that. Thank you, God. Hey, can you bless me here? God, can you bless me there? Hey, God, I'm doing this. Can you bless me? And God's a good God. He blessed me all throughout my life. And he didn't have to pull me off the streets, off drugs, or off some crazy relationship. He saved me from myself. But the prayer I prayed that night, guys, is a prayer that I never wanted to pray. I was scared all my life, and it was a very simple prayer. And the prayer went like this, God, here I am. I will do what you want me to do. Oh, man. I still remember. I woke up the next day, and my world had changed. This emptiness that I had was no longer there. It was filled with God's love and his spirit. And these desires I had were no longer there. And these relationships that I wanted to pursue. And all the things that the devil was using against me. My reputation, which I had to fix. 
and, and, and my resources that, you know what, I was using for my glory. And the relationships that were not right, I turned those around and I gave them to the Lord. And my question and my encouragement today is who's willing to say today, here I am. What's in your hand? God wants it. And he wants you to change the world with it. Why don't you bow your heads and you close your eyes as we close up. Lord, I thank you for today and I thank you for the example of Moses, God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have that model. And I thank you that as amazing as he was, Lord, we see that he was a flawed person. And I know that this room is filled with flawed people like myself, God. But I pray that there would be those, at least one today, that have the courage to say, God, here I am. As you're asking what's in your hand, that you be willing to go, God, I will give you what's in my hand. I know you love us, Lord, and have big plans and dreams for us with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If today you want to make that statement and say, you know what, God, here I am. I want to be your child. I want to establish that relationship with you or reestablish. And I pray that God's speaking to some of you right now, that your heart's beating and you're going, God, I needed to hear this. And I encourage you, when, when I ask you to stand up, that you forget everything around you and you respond to God in a way that would please him, that would change your world. And just acknowledge him as your Savior. If that's you here today with your heads bowed and your, your eyes closed, I ask that you just pray this simple prayer in your heart. Say, dear God, forgive me. Make me yours. I want to be new. Here I am. I'll give you what's in my hand to help change the world and change my world. Thank you for making me new and coming into my heart. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you paid that prayer. And I pray that, that somebody here is responding to God's calling you right now. And then have to be ashamed of his love for you and his desire. On the count of three, I'm just asking you to stand up boldly. One, two, three. Stand up right now if you pray that.